Welcome to another episode of B2B Nation, the official technology advice podcast for sales and marketing professionals. I'm your host, Chris Kleinfelter, and I recently spoke with Sean Ford, the CMO at LogMeIn. We talked about how the whole buyer journey needs to be viewed as a continuum. Companies need to think of the journey as an ongoing relationship that allows customers to reach out however and whenever they're ready. He also emphasized that certain buyer processes can have either high velocity or high consideration, with each needing different types of interactions. We also talked about how to make better buyer personas. Sean stated that marketers tend to define victory as creating the persona and then sort of stop. At the end of the day, they just sit there. I know I've personally been guilty of this, and uh, he stresses that the first thing anyone needs to do, regardless of the format of the buyer persona, is to actually use it embed them into the marketing strategy. Second is to get insight into how individuals are using your products. Embedding use cases into the personas instead of just describing the persona is a great way to create better campaigns that target future potential buyers. This was a really great interview. He had a lot of really great things to say. Personally, I learned a lot and he turned some of my thoughts on its head and I I am definitely approaching some of my campaigns at Technology Advice differently today. So without further ado, here's my interview with Sean. Enjoy. Welcome to the B2B Nation, Sean. Thanks for talking with me today. Yep. Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I I know I'm very excited to get the chance to talk with you today, and we're going to talk a little bit more about buyer education as part of the lead generation process. But before we dig into that, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and LogMeIn? Absolutely. So um, LogMeIn is uh, a top 10 SaaS software as a service uh, software company uh, in the world. We recently completed a a merger with GoTo's, uh, Citrix GoTo businesses, which include products like GoToMeeting, GoToWebinar, Grasshopper. Um, we are uh, a leader in communication and collaboration in that market. We're a leader in engagement and support. We're a leader in the identity space. Um, and we're a leader in um, the access uh, markets as well. I pioneered that particular business uh, early uh, early on. Um, the, you know, the company is, is uh, you know, we've got a portfolio of products within each of those areas, and we, uh, we really focus on, you know, sort of helping people connect, you know, when they want, how they want with each other, with their customers, with their employees, uh, each of that sort of the common thread across all of our businesses. Um, I'm in my fourth year as the chief marketing officer of LogMeIn. Uh, before this, I've had a number of different jobs. I've been in a couple of startups. Uh, I was the VP of Global Business Unit Marketing for Oracle, uh, working for the CMO there for a number of years, and really um, have enjoyed being at this company given the array of products, the array of markets, the array of go-to-market models that we have in place, and and really uh, just being a part of a, of a great uh, you know sort of tech uh, growth and success story. It's been a, it's been a really great four years. Yeah, well, you certainly do have a wide variety of products now. That's incredible. I didn't actually hear about the mergers. So that's really interesting and neat to hear about that. So, uh, well, again, thanks again for being with us today. I'm so excited to have you on the show for this topic in particular. And again, for our listeners, we're talking about the importance of buyer education as part of the lead generation process. So, so lately, to me anyway, it seems that companies are selling a product or service. Uh, the companies that are selling a product or service 
are involved in the buying process later and later due to buyers doing more research on their own on the front end before they even reach out to a company with with buyers honestly often having narrowed down their options before they even speak to a sales representative at any company. So with that, with buyers coming in later and later in the process and companies really wishing they could get uh, get in with buyers earlier in their research process. What can businesses do about that? Should they should they work to enter the buying journey sooner, or should they focus more on their execution of closing deals? You know, with with buyers who have done a great deal of research and expressed interest just about their product later in the cycle. Yeah, it's a it's a good question. It's certainly a challenge, and unfortunately, there's no sort of simple headline answer. But the way I would <laughs> The way I would break down the response is, is sort of the following. First, I don't really see it as, as an either or. Either they are in the journey sooner or they focus on execution of closing deals. I, I think my perspective is that, that this whole buyer journey or the buyer education is something that, that needs to be viewed as a continuum. So companies need to think, you know, as, a, as if they they're have a sort of an ongoing relationship with the potential buyer, and then with the customer that uh, just sort of um, moves consistently and continuously lets those customers engage with them whenever, wherever, and however they want. So the, cus- the, the company always has to be at the ready with that st- steady sort of hum of information and, uh, and not really fall into the trap of trying to overweight or do the Hail Mary at the end of the deal to close the deal because there's so much information that customers are going to personalize the way they interact with companies, uh, and, and companies just have to have, you know, be at the ready across all the various touch points. That's one. The, the, the second thing I'd throw in there, Chris, is that, you know, it, it really is, because it's the buyer journey is so fluid and more personalized, the, um, you have to really step back and look at the market that um, the products that you're trying to sell are in as well as the go-to-market model or the process that, that, um, that um, customers go through or buyers go through to make a decision. And, that, and so if I was going to just frame this up simply, you know, at a real basic level, you could say that there's, there's certain buyer processes that are high velocity and there are certain buyer processes that are high consideration. So high velocity is maybe a lower price, um, individual use product, Higher consideration could be something that, you know, is more of an enterprise type deal. And even in the SaaS business, we have bigger deals and we have sort of individual purchase deals. But those bring about an entirely different set of interactions that companies would have uh, and uh, at different points in their journey. And then if you look at the market, right, high, there's a sort of a high awareness and low awareness markets. If you're in a market like um, online, you know, screen sharing and conferencing, right? That's pretty well understood. People are aware of that market. So you're going to spend your time really differentiating the products. You're going to spend your time, you know, highlighting the lifestyle choice that maybe one product represents over another. But if you're in a low awareness market where people, you know, don't know about the need or aren't aware of um, the requirement to have a particular product, then you're going to spend, you know, far more time educating that customer on the imperative of why the product's relevant, maybe doing a bit more heavy lifting and thought leadership and really trying to drive, um, drive people, uh, you know, to, to get them up to speed to understand why selecting a product or your product 
is something that's going to have them be, you know, relevant now and in the future. So there's a little bit more of, of you know, protein heft that needs to go into the type of content that's created there with buyers. But if you overlay those two things together, you start to see that, that really the, the education of the buyer is going to vary and the process they're going to follow is, is highly variable depending on the type of market and the type of buyer process that they're in the middle of. Would you say this, this question just popped into my head. Would you say that um, longer sales are more attributed to the type of product or is it more cost-based? Like it just costs more, so, so there's more evaluation and maybe there's more uh, stakeholders within the um, decision-making group who will purchase the product. I mean, what's the balance there for our listeners to understand? Yeah, there's some, there's some easy sort of rules of thumb. I mean, certainly the, the size of the deal, right, in terms of uh, if, it, if it's a, a large enterprise deal, obviously more people are going to be involved just because of the cost. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes that carries with it a, a level of, of implementation or services required to actually get the product up and running mm-hmm. in a particular environment. It also, at that level, probably involves, you know, multiple functions, right? So you don't have a single decision maker. And so those deals also, because of all of those things, are sometimes seen as more, you know, highly strategic investments that can fundamentally shift the direction of a company um, and their ability to go to market. If you look at the other end of the spectrum, you know, again, you'll see the the inverse of those things, you know, uh, maybe a lower cost can still be impactful, but um, you know, easier to ramp up, easier to start, easier to learn. Uh, and so those are some of the differences, yes. So so that brings another question to mind. So for companies who uh, they're realizing now, you know, or getting to the game way too late where some of our competitors are really eating our lunch, so to speak, with with closing down some of these these deals with buyers who are interested in our product but also interested in our competitors. And, and they may want to, you know – I'll phrase it this way. They want to try to enter the, the buying journey sooner or they want to get in touch with customers sooner and, and nurture them better. What are some what are some tips for how to do that successfully? Uh, yep. So I think um, one of the things, and if you take it from the customer, if you take, if you believe the premise that the cust- every customer is going to decide how, when, and where they interact with you as part of their buyer journey, mm-hmm. then what companies can do is specifically go through and map all of the specific touch points from start to finish. And you can say, you know, given this particular persona or this particular target segment, we know that here's the 10 places that they may touch us. They may not go to every one of them, but these are the 10. And within that, you know, those 10 touch points, you go through and say which ones have the greatest influence in terms of deciding whether someone is going to move forward and buy or, um, or those that are just sort of nice to have or less influential in the decision-making process. So you might find that a particular product as a number of those touch points would, would represent, could be, you know, they might go to your website, they might look at your, the content that you have there, they might see a banner ad, they may see, you know, a specific message. They may go to the other end where it's a white paper, or they may see, um, you know, they might go to the community and do research to get sort of analyst reports and or, you know, what they would determine as, you know, quote-unquote independent evaluations. And so companies, I think, sometimes miss the rigor that they, you know, they have readily at hand, which is to say, what are the touch points? Are we adequately covered on all of them? And are we disproportionately covered on the ones that we know for this particular customer set drive the greatest uh, influence on their decision-making? 
So mapping the touch points is something that everybody can do, and it's a, it's not particularly difficult. Sure. Uh, you know, you, you brought up a word there that I was, I was really glad to hear you say. You brought up personas. And, you know, I've certainly in uh, my marketing career have seen a lot of personas that um, they're started, but they're, they're only only kind of halfway there, three quarters of the way there. They're not really complete. And therefore, uh, when they're trying to market to these types of individuals, uh, a lot of their efforts are, are not fully formed the way they could be because their personas are lacking. So, so how could marketers make their personas better? Yeah, I, I really like, uh, I like this topic a lot. It's a little bit of a, a pet peeve because yeah. I think what happens is everyone who enters marketing says, well, you know, at some point we need personas. And so there's, there's any number of frameworks you can use, but essentially personas are table stakes. Um, all the frameworks are largely similar. And marketers define victory as creating the persona uh -huh. and they stop. Yeah. And everybody feels good about, you know, I have, you know, uh, agitated Al as, as one of our customer segments. And, and you put the pictures up, and at the end of the day, they just sit there. They just become, you know, a, uh, something that sits on your wall. And so the first thing that, that anyone needs to do to, with personas to make them effective, regardless of the format, is you have to use them. You have to commit to them. Mm -hmm. um, you have to embed them in your marketing strategy, build campaigns, build messaging, um, you know, start to finish and um, not just feel good about the fact that you have them. And I, I've seen a lot of people just uh, drop the ball on that, uh, myself included um, at times. So so first piece of advice is if you're going to do them, use them and commit to them. The second one is that in the world we live in now, and I would say that we see this at LogMeIn, you know, you typically get, you know, name, title, pain points, you know, uh, uh, you know, solutions or positioning against those pain points, fairly standard stuff. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that, that I think is, is lacking is, is insight into those personas as to how those individuals or those amalgams of individuals are using the product. So I would, I would start to think about embedding use cases into the personas beyond just describing the persona. Uh, and then that allows you to do a number of things. It starts to bring together the sales and the product cycle more. It lets salespeople sort of speak in the language of the person who's actually making the purchase decision. Um, it, it provides a level of rigor and credibility to the conversation and the content that you build. So I would include... Um, I would include that the, uh, as, a, as, a, as an addition. That's not in a lot of them. And then I think the last thing is, you know, really there's, there's um, oftentimes an underestimation of the content that you have at hand to really make those personas more robust and come to life in terms of talking to, um, you know, the sales teams themselves to get the feedback, uh, obviously talking to customers and doing uh, post-deal reviews on win-loss analysis. Um, there's ways to, to not just create and sit on a shelf and plan against, but to keep them alive by sort of ongoing commitment and revision to the information that you're able to put in there based on real-world successes or failures against those particular segments. So um, those would be the three things I would probably highlight uh, that, I would, that I would emphasize for people that, that have personas. You know, first, but first and foremost, um, use them. <laughs>
Yeah, there's there's so many that don't, and, and I'm glad you, you called it yourself. I would call it myself here too. Uh, plenty of times where I made them and was really excited about that, and uh, they underserved us wildly. So uh, excellent advice there. Um, I want to move on just a little bit here to talk about buyer education and retention. Um, certainly, I think there's something there, but often when we think of buyer education, we only think of uh, you know leading up to the sale and not afterwards. So, so how do you see buyer education impacting retention? Um, well, so <clears throat> I'm going to flip this on its head a little bit and okay. say that, you know, I think retention, so retention starts before the purchase, mm-hmm. right? So if you think about it, retention for an existing cu- customer starts when they're in their buyer journey or their decision-making process because that's when they're forming an opinion on you, on your service, on the quality of the product that you have, on the people that you have at the company. And so once they're then a customer, which is then who you'd be talking about retaining, you're extending that experience. And, and so the biggest thing is to, is to have a high degree of consistency between the buyer journey before the person purchases and the experience they have with you as a customer. So it's the classic, you know, summer intern program where people come in and they're wined and dined and they Mm -hmm. feel great and they think this is the greatest company in the world and they get a job offer and they join the company and then it's like, where is everybody? Like, I thought we did fun stuff. No, you're you're now a numb, you know, it's a little bit of the bait switch. You have to have a seamless integrated approach to the customer through the journey that doesn't hit some speed bump Mm -hmm. when they bought from them. And then you have to just continue to treat them in that consistent way throughout their experience, ongoing interactions, prompting them with interesting and relevant content. Um, Treat them with the same degree of of care that you would um, when you were trying to get their business in the first place. So buyer education is is vital for retention, and it starts from, I think, the first time someone hears about your product or your company. So for our listeners uh, who track along with us every week, we've had a number of really smart people tell us that retention starts before the sale actually happens. So if anything, please listen to that. Um, and, and Sean, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, you had a number of great thoughts about personas and uh, about retention there. Uh, it was wonderful. Uh, so as our listeners are looking to uh, connect with LogMeIn and connect with you out on the web, uh, where can they find you? Sure. Um, well, our, our corporate website is logmeininc.com, an I-N-C, so L-O-G-M-E-I-N-I-N-C.com. Uh, and um, you can find us on you know, Twitter at logmein, at LastPass, at JoinMe, at GoToMeeting, for example. Um, but we're there. And then uh, I'm just at WS Ford uh, is, as a Twitter, uh, is my Twitter account. And um, really like discussing these topics, really like to engage and, and um, you know, anything I can do to be helpful to anyone on the, that listens to this, I'm more than happy to try. Awesome. Well, thanks again to Sean for joining me today. And, and thanks, as always, to our listeners for following along. This episode was recorded at the Technology Advice Podcast Studio in Nashville, Tennessee. To listen to more episodes of B2B Nation, check us out on SoundCloud or iTunes. And to learn more about the show, you can find us on Twitter at technology underscore ADV or online at technologyadvice.com. Thanks for listening.